I can't load brand picking, Sam. Because, um, oh wait, now it's working. You know, the internet up here in the mountains, you just never know. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. So is so this, is this, the, is this, have we started? Is this the show? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> hi, Simon. Hi. <laughs> it feels silly saying hi to you because I already said hi to you this morning and, and asked you how you, how you are and before. how you slept yeah. and how your man slept. Exactly. Um, and I didn't have to ask you where either because I knew. <laughs> <laughs> so greeting you again just seems silly it does now. does seem weird, yeah. Well, I mean, this is definitely the prettiest uh, place we've ever been while doing this. Oh, thank you. On your on your balcony. I say thank crazy, you because it's my view. balcony. Yeah. Not so because somehow, I painted the scene. You somehow have ownership over the scenery. Yeah, Look it's strange how that works, hey. for myself. Yeah. <laughs> when somebody compliments anything in your proximity, you thank yeah. them. yeah. That was silly. Seems sensible. Uh, it is a great scene, Sam. It's mm. beautiful. Mm. I think I've become a bit blasé about it because I see a lot of it. Oh, man. Yeah, very lovely. We're off to a great start. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. It's the new year. We, yeah. were, we, were, dis- we were discussing New Year's resolutions. Yes. And why you um, don't make them. Well, what's the point? Yeah. It's just another day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but don't you think there is some sort of psychological thing that happens at, at New Year? And it's partly because all of us take a you know, ridiculous holiday in, in December, which yeah. is a silly time to take a holiday because everyone else is taking a holiday. Yeah, it's the so worst time. You go to Hermanus, for example, mm-hmm. and you, know, you, you have to fight your way through crowds to get a table anyway. Yes. But, um, Hermanus is a lovely seaside town I in the Western it. Cape of South Africa Except for those... Oh. Of you who found this conversation on the internet and may be wondering. It's very lovely, except for when all of the people from Kauteng are there, which is now. Including me. Woohoo. Um, yeah, but you, you do. You take this holiday and then you sit by the sea and you pick your toes or whatever you do mm-hmm. when you're on holiday. And then the, 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 a number changes in the date. Like yes. You go from 2013 to 2014 and you all of a sudden feel like... The world has possibility and you can do anything. Yeah. Next year. You, this year is now, you know, blank slate. All those what things is you that? failed at doing, you can now do. And I suppose that's the power of like ritual on mass is mm. that when everybody's doing something. Yeah. It is like you can you can put that energy to good use mm. uh, if you force yourself not to think too much about how much sense it makes. Totally. That being none. <laughs> and <laughs> and you go, okay, well, everybody's doing this and rah, and yes, yeah, and yeah. let's do it. Let's, we can, yes, we can. Yeah. Change. Um, <laughs> ourselves. Ourselves. <laughs> because everyone else is. Yeah. I'm. Still not going to make any new year. No, that's cool. That's but cool. I understand. I, I like. I understand the power of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I get it. I don't make resolutions, but I definitely do feel like I get this burst of energy and inspiration, and mm-hmm. I do definitely get the sense of you know, 2013 is a discrete period of time that I can describe as having been a certain way. Like I feel 2013 was the year of Sam being a grown up. So it was super uh-huh. boring. <laughs> 2014 is going to be the year of Sam not being a You don't seem anymore. terribly grown up to me. Oh, good. You seem very busy. <laughs> yeah. I felt very grown up. I mean, sorry. I wasn't around. Yeah. You know, we speak once a week yeah. uh, over the internet usually, unlike today, mm. where we're absolutely not speaking over the internet because we're sitting outside in a mountain. Yeah. Um, 
which is why they are bird sounds, which may make their way into this recording. Um, Our gift to you. Yeah. But, so from afar, you seem very busy, but you didn't seem any, any more mature about it. Oh, good. If I'm I may say. i that. I'm so, yeah, yeah, I didn't, didn't seem mature. Uh, I don't know. I mean, do you feel like 2013 was the year of what for Simon? Uh, confusion. Um, that pretty much sums up my life. <laughs> I don't remember much of it. You see, this is my problem, right? Is is there's a routine. There's an annual routine mm. of going on holiday, promising to do things that you know you're not going to, and mm. then going back to work. And I'm afraid of routines because, to me, routine assassinates time. Mm. It destroys time. It removes time from your memories. The moment you're consistently doing something over and over again, Mm. your brain goes okay well i don't need to remember the second and third and fourth time you did this like it's the same as the first time Mm. and we now know that that's you know this experience where you say wow time's really flying Mm. all that means is i did fucking boring things all year so i can't remember anything (laughs) that's why it feels so short it feels like you went there's no novelty there's no gimmick there's nothing to hold your interest in a routine yeah so, you know, we, we're constantly told that routine's good for us. Like, routine's good for you. Human beings need routine. <laughs> and we probably do for some things, yeah. um, like, like the things that keep us alive. But, but having a daily routine of, I wake up, I brush my teeth, I go for a run, and now it is 20 past 8, and my toast is ready. Yeah. And, and, like, what are you doing to your time and your precious life? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to remember any of this stuff. Mm. So I agree with you somewhat, but then, so I've been reading um, these really cool interviews um, that I found on the internet. I will send you the link so that they can go onto show notes at seed.tv forward slash TVTD. That was, that was good. Can you see what I did there? In fact, you need to put, an, um, you need to put another um, forward slash because this would be episode 24. Oh yeah. So you'd go to seed.tv forward slash TBTD forward slash 24. Would I indeed? Uh, okay. Well, if you I would. did that, if I did that, you there could would be links. Um, so, what I have been reading um, yes. are these wonderful interviews with um, elderly people, um, sort of across the world. It already all, sounds all amazing. No, but it is, and they basically ask all of them to reflect on their life and talk about any regrets they have, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a great way to reflect on what is meaningful, you know. Because yes. surely, when you look back, they they're at a pretty good vantage point to answer. Yeah. This is kind of what I should have done, and this is what was good about what I did do and what I didn't do, you know. And across the board, what comes out as being the things that were the most important to people and the things that they most regretted not investing time in were the really boring things, like spending Mm. time with their family. Like the biggest, uh, the most common regret that comes up is I spent too much time at work. Yeah. um, And that they wish they'd spent more time, I don't know, eating and being with friends and living more balanced lives, which is interesting, which which seems like all the boring things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not that families are boring, but you know, routine seems boring. But it's also, I think, the thing that holds life together ultimately. I'm afraid of it, Sam. So, so may, you know what? I've just as you as as you're talking, I've thought of a New Year's resolution, and that's okay. just Go. to be more present, yeah. just to be more mindful. If yeah. I'm gonna decide to do anything, and fuck the New Year, like mm. I'm just gonna do that. Yeah. Um, and I I was reading so this brain pickings article that I was um, so worried about not being able to load earlier. Uh, I was reading last week. Um, and so Maria Popova, we've discussed her before. She's amazing. Yeah. And she runs a site called brainpickings.org and you should totally visit it every day like I don't. But every now and then somebody tweets something and I follow the link. <laughs> um, 
she wrote this thing on how we spend our it's called how we spend our days is how we spend our lives mm. and it's um basically an overview of annie dillard's uh on presence over productivity yeah i've never read the book uh it's from the writing life mm. uh, i haven't read the writing life uh i didn't know who annie dillard was until i found this article apparently she wrote an american childhood and pilgrim at tinker creek yeah. i haven't read those either or heard read. of them <laughs> But <laughs> she says some smart things yeah. about routine, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to read you the article, but I will read a quote that she includes from Annie Dillard where she says, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. Wow, <laughs> deep. Uh, a schedule defends from chaos and whim. It's a net for catching days. It's a scaffolding on which a worker can stand and labor with both hands at sections of time. Mm. A schedule is a mock-up of reason and order, world faked and so brought into being. It is a peace and a haven set into the wreck of time. It's a lifeboat on which you find yourself decades later still living. Mm. Each day is the same, so you remember the series afterwards is a blurred and powerful pattern. Wow. Um, but then she goes on to say, the most appealing daily schedule I know is that of a turn-of-the-century Danish aristocrat. Mm. And she explains how he had this routine where he'd get up, eat his breakfast, go hunting, meet his friends, have a lunch that lasted all evening, <laughs> fall asleep laughing, you know, whatever. <laughs> and that's a routine mm. and all his days were the same. But yeah. you can't argue that he had a terrible life. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. Um, but one of the other quotes she's pulled out, which I may have just uh, glossed over, is the life of sensation is the life of greed. It requires more and more. The life of the spirit requires mm. less and less. Mm. And I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I liked it and something about it made sense. And this idea that, that, you know, it goes back to our whole planning fallacy thing that we discuss in almost every episode of the show. It's like you sit there thinking that you can make plans because you can magically predict the future based on the past, which Mm -hmm. is just abhorrent bullshit. Uh, And if you're still afflicted with that kind of thinking, then Nassim Taleb's like Black Swan or... um, Remember the Turkey. Or (laughs) Anti-Fragile is a great book to go and read for a cure. Because you can't predict the future and making a plan is not going to help you get any closer to your goals. It's just not going to. What you should do all the time is be planning. Be present in the moment, making Mm. the best decision you can right now. Yeah. So Annie Dillard actually has an exercise that she recommends and it comes out in, in a couple of her books, but also an essay she's written um, in order to, to kind of create more, more mindfulness in what you're doing. And it's a very simple one that many other people have recommended as well, um, which is simply that at the end of your day um, or at the beginning of your day, you spend some time writing about whatever happened, you know, and kind of recording and thinking back and reflecting on a kind of short periods of time. Because oh. I think what we do, what it seems you, you wanted something a little bit more like groundbreaking, but it's, it's quite practical. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, we, we kind of seem to do that at the end of every Every year, right? We look back and we think, oh, what did I accomplish in this year? Where am I? Um, and so I've been doing this for the last couple of months. And what you find is it, it does make you more aware of actually how you are spending uh-huh. days, you know, and, and kind of those small things that end up occupying more, too much of your life sometimes or yes. not enough of your life. Um, and I found that a very useful exercise is just kind of at the end of every day or at the beginning of, of every day. It's kind of emptying your mind of whatever it's processing for yeah. the day you know so what are we talking about mindfulness mindfulness but yeah. it's that's mm, yeah i don't know <laughs> i think it's about i think it's also yeah. about knowing yourself and yeah. what works for you 
and then having the balls to just do that, yeah. no matter what other people think about it. So yeah. another great grand p- brain pickings, <laughs> grain pickings, you can do that too. Uh, brain pickings article uh, is Maria wrote about Charles Bukowski, mm. um, and he's got a daily routine. Yeah. Uh, and basically all it is, it's not really a routine. It's just an expression of how well he knows himself. So he says, I never type in the morning. I don't get up in the morning. I drink at night. I try to stay in bed until 12 o'clock. That's yeah. noon. Usually, if I have to get up early, I don't feel good at all. Uh, I look, if it says 12, then I get up and my day begins. I eat something and then I usually run right up to the racetrack after I wake up. I bet the horses then I come back and Linda cooks something and we talk a while. We eat and we have a few drinks and then I go upstairs with a couple of bottles and I type. <laughs> starting around 9.30 and going until 1.30 to 2.30 at night and that's it. Sure. That's awesome. yeah. And that's okay yeah. because we now know that uh, he's Charles Bukowski. Yeah. And, and he can indeed him. write yeah. and get published. And But I mean, you know, I mean, the problem is it, it's kind of, you know, you look at what worked for someone else and you think if I just applied those same things to my life, I would be Charles Bukowski, which of course isn't But no, isn't but true. if you knew yourself as well as Charles Bukowski <laughs> yeah. did and yeah, that, yeah. you know, betting on the horses, yeah. uh, spending all evening <laughs> chatting to your wife over a meal and a lot of alcohol yeah. and then taking more alcohol upstairs with you to do your job. Yeah. If that's what works for you, yeah. fuck it. That yeah. works for you. So and screw everybody who tells you otherwise. So I feel like that's going to be my resolution for the year. I'm making it right now. Is to drink more and write. To drink more. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, we're to, off to a good start. <laughs> to rest more control back over my schedule. I, because, you know, the problem for with working for other humans is that you end up kind of getting into routines that don't feel very natural to you. Yeah. Um, I need to find ways to rest, wrestle back a little bit of control over the nuances of kind of, you know, what works for me. So how do you then work in a team? I think you can balance it, right? Like, so I feel like I'm at work the whole day and I'm, I'm present the whole day for my team, you know, and I feel like you could be at work, but only present and available for portions of the day and your team would still get everything that they needed out of it. And you could like, I don't know, hide in a hole and be fine. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's a beagle. We're being attacked by beagles. <laughs> oh, no. This is the cutest way to die. You know what? I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> You're, but nobody nobody actually works in a team. No. Uh, when you actually get to doing something, mm. to the action of working, you're a de facto on your own, right? Well, so you're working towards an effort that the team is doing. Yeah. But let's say, let's look at software because we always do, right? Yeah. Um, so you've got a designer, you've got a project manager, you've got a product owner mm. or whatever, um, analysts, developers, etc. All of these people are on the same team, but when they sit down and they make the software, the developer's coding, the designer's designing, the project manager is drinking beer over lunch, yeah. <laughs> um, or whatever. <laughs> and and project yelling, yelling at everyone else. That yeah, yelling at everybody faster. else and making Gantt charts. Yeah. But <laughs> the point is, those are all acts done in isolation. Yeah. They're towards a team effort, but they're done in isolation. So perhaps it's just a consideration of, hey, you know, the designer needs to get drunk and do things at two in the morning. That's, that's how he, he works. Yeah. Um, and the developer is up at four and mm. he's that's when he buzzes. And the project manager drinks beer all day. And yeah. 
So, but I, look, I mean, in advertising, there are kind of exceptions. There are definitely moments where you are actually working together, and that's during ideation, you know, or brainstorming, Ooh, brainstorming, you know. But that actually does happen in advertising. Like you, you spend a lot of your time lounging around on the floor in a room together, and that's talking okay. about things. And that's part of the process. But you know, to your point, you kind of do that, and you need to be together to do that. But then you can also spend most mm. of the rest of the day by yourself doing other things that are productive. Yeah, so the nine to five thing out. is a bloody bad idea I know man it's a terrible idea yeah you know being in the same proximity as people who you're okay working with but don't really want to be in the same proximity as is a bad idea too Mm. and I I think there are companies out there who get it yeah most don't Um, but uh, you look at Automatic for example Mm. Uh, it's a distributed global workforce they get together now and then uh, Mm. to get drunk and talk about stuff I don't know that this happens but I you know whatever let's uh, let's suppose um and it functions mm. beautifully. They run one of the top five most uh, visited services on the net, WordPress, right? Yeah. So WordPress.com is, is a product of Automatic. Mm. Um, and it works, and it works beautifully. And you've got people in Poland and the USA and wherever else they work, working mm. when it works for them, how it works for them, yeah. and being judged on nothing more than what they produce. I mean, you need bosses who need to feel like they don't need people in their panopticon, you know, yeah, where yeah, they yeah. can kind of observe everything all the time, or at least have the illusion that they're observing what's going on all the time. Because in reality, you know, the, mo- the and, and particularly in, in kind of more creative or, or thinking industries, you can be working really hard while sitting you know, uh, on the lawn looking at trees. Like we are now. Like we are. We're working. And have been for the past couple of days. <laughs> Hard at Playing work. Castle Crashes. And, and drinking wine. And drinking wine. <laughs> uh, with uh, our significant others. Mm. And some offspring. And two beagles. And very um, cute offspring. Yeah. Ooh, and playing King of Tokyo. Oh, which is awesome. Uh, you need to... You need to talk about how awesome king of Why? is because Every- people might be listening to this and might not know what it is yeah i feel like we we're about to make a good point though oh i was gonna ask you before we get to king of tokyo put a pin in that um <laughs> uh culture how important is culture then and i suppose automatic does have a culture right yeah but there seems to be this great myth of culture at companies what's fascinating mm. to me as well is that there are people with the abject view that you can shape and control culture. And you get people whose job it is to be culture consultants yes. who come Whereas, in and design your values for you. You know, in my limited experience of working in groups, culture is something that happens. It's mm. a manifestation of the combination of all of these personalities. Totally. Like you can try and, you know, force some cultural artifacts mm. with, I don't know, that picture of Isaac Newton on the wall or whatever. Yeah. Um but I don't, I'm no, I don't know that that's, you know, that's control of culture. That's just something for the people in the company to talk about and digest. Totally. And I think it's actually much more fluid than we think. I mean, definitely in companies where human beings move in and out of the company, which is every company in the world. You mm-hmm. know. Um, I, I guess a lot of culture comes from founders, right? Because they're often the... Uh, the, the stable human force, you know, who's yes. there the whole time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think if you've got a founder with a strong personality, yeah. then then that's where the culture stems from. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that, but I don't agree that there's anybody who can control that. Yeah. Uh, because 
the moment the second employee enters the building, you've got another personality mm. who's going to interact with personality A. Totally. And their interpretation of that personality is going to be the beginnings of the company's culture, Definitely. I suppose. But I mean, I guess then... I don't, I don't know what the, the fuck only, I'm talking the about. Only, but. No, no, no. It's kind of making sense. Um, I guess the only way then that you can shape culture is by being very careful who you hire. Like, I think hiring processes should be something that people think about very, very, very carefully. It's something we've spoken about before. Yeah. Um, you should make sure you are hiring the right kinds of humans but beyond doing that i don't think once you've hired a type of human you can kind of mold them into having different values just because that you know the sign on the wall says that the values are so and so so and so so and so and so and so you know Mm -hmm. integrity honesty customer service whatever you know yeah well it's like king of tokyo you pick a strategy and you find out two turns later whether or not it works. And then you take over Tokyo and you yeah, kill yeah. the other monsters. So this is Richard Garfield's new board game. Yeah. Uh, I was introduced to it by my friend Rich Mulholland. Mm. And it's amazing how it's spread virally since then because <laughs> everybody who uh, I forced to play the game with me then goes and buys it. Mm. It's a great game. Richard Garfield invented Magic the Gathering. Uh, he's done some other board games that are really good. Yeah. He's how- uh, apparently very smart. Hmm. Must be. <laughs> you know, magic, magic's kind of cool. Um, I, I love how board games are experiencing this renaissance amongst, maybe it's just amongst my peer group, but uh-huh. it seems like, you know, uh, it's 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 a very social form of gameplay that yeah, I, yeah. Haven't, I haven't seen, you know, since, since I was small and we used to well, sit I around was- the table and play Cluedo or Monopoly. Yeah, you know? exactly. And these it's games awesome. are much cooler. They are much cooler and yeah. much more involved and some of them are quite dangerous in the same way that Dota 2 is or perhaps <laughs> Castle Crashes in that they take a lot of time yes. and cause a lot of deliberation over something that doesn't matter. But, you know, like, so this is what's been really great about the last couple of weeks is being able to hang around with your sprogs and play Castle Crashes, you know, uh-huh. for four hours and it doesn't matter and you don't have to be anywhere, you know, and I, I feel like it's only once a year that I get to turn my brain off or turn, not my brain, but turn my sense of yeah. obligation to other things off yeah. for, for a period. Hey, of man, time, that's yeah. productive time. You're learning stuff in castle exactly. crashes. You and know? It, it's awesome. If you're the guy on the pooping deer, it doesn't jump as high as yeah. uh, the less afraid uh, forest animals. And I think that this is kind of the, the double-edged sword of productivity, right? Is that sometimes you get so hyper-productive that really what you're doing is you are ladling on more and more obligations onto yourself. And mm-hmm. what you're losing is time to mooch around and play with beagles. Yeah, I can't say I've ever really had that problem, Sam. I do. <laughs> um, but, you know, being around and, and playing Castle Crashes and mooching with beagles has reminded me of how much more productive I am mm. when I'm doing things the way I want to do them. Yeah. When, I, when I'm finished mooching around and playing with beagles, drinking beer and playing Castle Crashes, and I really feel like writing a 2,500-word article. It almost just happens naturally. Yeah. Um, like you did yesterday morning, sort of before 10. Yeah. So <laughs> so I need to – I think one of the things I'd like to do this year mm. is get back to that state where I'm doing yeah. things on my terms. Totally. Um, and unpacking the box of fucks I used to have for people who think I should do it another way. Absolutely. So, I mean, this is something that I find interesting when I look at my significant other's, um, you know, way of working because I often sort of come home and I, I get quite indignant because I'm like, oh, I've been so busy and, you know, and I get this weird distorted sense of moral superiority for having been really busy sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. just, just that's so weird and so screwed up, but it, it's kind of ingrained, um, you know, and he's kind of still in his PJs on the couch at six o'clock in the evening and kind of you know hasn't really done much um but his way of working is very all or nothing like it's it's moments of extreme stress and chaos and busyness where he's very focused and then days of kind of 
absolutely nothing. Yeah. And that seems overall to be a much more productive way of doing things. Oh, absolutely. Constantly being stressed, running on, on this treadmill and trying to do so much stuff every single day, regardless mm-hmm. of whether you feel like it or not. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. More productive for him. Yeah, yeah. And that's the point. Yeah. I'm having to give uh, this beagle a lot of attention to keep it quiet. <laughs> They're usually rather quiet. Um, but this is a particularly crazy beagle. Yeah. Uh, see how quiet he is right now. <laughs> I'm not oh, sure that has anything to do with anything, Sam. Oh, well. Uh, you know, you can you can have some quite profound thoughts about human nature by thinking about dogs. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you probably could. Yeah, so, yeah. routine. Uh, yes. Beagles out. need routine. Out with 2013. <laughs> Fuck your routine. Um, yes, here's to 2014 of less routine and more interesting things. Yeah. yeah. So, do you want to tell me about something you like? Something I like? Yeah. I've been reading this great book, I think I was telling you about it yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. by Alain de Botton, who is a sort of pop philosopher, but, yeah. you know, in the best way. Um, and it's called The Pleasures and Sorrows of Work. And I've been thinking a lot about work uh, recently. And what he does is he spends time with people in, in very vastly different careers. So, like, he spends time with a rocket, uh, like, engineer. Uh-huh. He spends time with a bricklayer. He spends time with a painter. He spends time with a corporate executive. You know, very, very different types of people. And he writes these very thoughtful essays about what life is like for each of these people and then kind of reflects overall on, you know, how the work that we choose to do is such an important part of our lives, but we don't really reflect on it much in philosophy ever, you know. Yeah. Philosophers don't really reflect on what that means in terms of meaningfulness. Um, my favorite essay is is the one where he spends time with the guy who runs the North Britain Pylon Appreciation Society. It's this group of these guys <laughs> like Wellingtons who go stomping around in muddy fields observing how beautiful pylons are. Electricity pylons. Electricity pylons. And there is no point to what they do. They have little field books of like, here are all the different types of pylons, exactly like bird watches. Um, and all they do is walk around and just appreciate how beautiful these man-made structures are. Um, and, and then Alain de Botton sort of reflects on the meaningfulness of this man's life, you know, whether you can even judge its meaningfulness from outside. It feels very meaningful to this guy. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been fun. It's, it's quite a reflective, slow, deep book. Uh, really nice. So nice. Alain de Botton, Pleasures and Sorrows of Work. That sounds awesome. Very cool. What about uh, you? I'm trying to think of something that I've been enjoying lately that I haven't spoken about already. I've been playing. What have I been doing? I've been playing Magic the Gathering on my iPad. I don't feel like that's even worth mentioning. I've been using Workflowy a lot. We've mentioned Workflowy before, but it's really working out for me. Did you try it? Did you give it a try? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't make think I did. It was the make list, a list of list lists. Oh, no, I did. I installed you make it. make a list of list of lists? I installed it and then I uninstalled it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's I, not an app, though. Just what, on your, on your phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So give the, uh, web, give, give the web service a, a try. Give it a bash, the okay. web app. I'm pretty. I'm pretty committed to my to my productivity system, but I can yeah. see. I can see how. As, well, that as, doesn't matter. As lists of lists. Uh, you know, you don't have to use it, whatever. <laughs> but it's been working for me because because um, now and then you have to make a list of lists and share it with somebody, and it works for that. That's awesome. Um, so I've I've been I've been enjoying Workflowy. How many layers of lists do you find yourself making? Uh, three. Okay. Yeah. So you'll have like you know. The homework uh, salami list. Mm. And then you'll have types of salami under salami. But under home, you'll have um, stuff that needs to be done. Mm. Um, and then under stuff that needs to be done. But I never get further than that, really. Yeah. Uh, so three layers. 
Yeah. yeah. So you know that the, the, the trick they always tell you for, for to-do lists, if you are going to make to-do lists, is to sort of chunk it down to as small a possible thing as possible. Small yeah. as possible thing as possible. Okay, really so as few lists, as, right lists as, you, as you can uh, possibly get. No, no, no. <laughs> very, very detailed lists. So you can't right. just say like, I don't know, set up Roku. You've got to be like, get the Roku box from the garage where I put it. And then the next mm. line, which is really boring. So maybe a better thing to do is just not make to-do lists. Well, so as we've discussed before, I make to-do lists and then I never look at them. Yeah. So, but I do feel like actually having put that somewhere Mm. um, has committed some neurons to it. And that's useful, Mm. even if I never look at the list again. Yeah. Um, But the only way I know how to tackle anything is organically. Mm. So when I get to actually setting up the Roku, I'm going to plug it in, switch it on, see what happens, and then make decisions from there. Yeah. Instead of pretending I know what will happen before the time and trying to make a list of things that will happen. Totally. Um, And list of things are really, again, just more obligations that you pile on yourself. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I mean, I I like workflowy. That doesn't mean it's working for me yet. Like it's it's early days. But I do recommend men checking out workflowy.com if you Mm. need to make a list or a list of lists or a list of lists of lists. (laughs) It works for that. That's cool. All right. Uh, I feel like we're done now, Sam. Yes, I feel like I have no brain. You want to go play Castle Crashes? Yeah, dude, let's do it. Okay. I want to be the red guy again. I'm on like level 11. (laughs) That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs>